The idea is we want to start this morning with some vision. Proverbs 29, 18, God's word says that where there is no vision, the people perish. That's just a nice, short, simple, good, true word. If you don't have vision, essentially you're aiming at nothing. And you're probably going to hit it every time. God has much better for us as his people. He wants us to have vision for our lives. His vision for where he's taking us. What are his promises? What does he want to do in our lives and how we can partner with that? So this morning, as we do every year, we want to start with some vision. But before we get into the specifics of this year and what we feel like God's put on our hearts, some healthy challenges for us to unite together around as a church family, I want to go back to last year because there was an interesting, uh, just really a testimony, honestly, an encouraging testimony as I was reviewing a little bit this week and Don and I were talking and processing, praying together about the new year. Um, I came across a specific vision that I shared, uh, we shared last year on January 5th, the first Sunday of the year, among other aspects of the morning that we shared. And I want to just read it to you real quick because I had honestly forgotten about it, but based on where the Lord led us in December of this year and some of the, the testimony, some of the good fruit that was coming out of our church family, I just felt it was pretty awesome, actually. Encouraging to remember how God uh, is with us and even a, a, a healthy little accountability on, on my part, our part, we've got to do a better job of writing down and keeping in front of us those prophetic words that God gives to us. Uh, so that when they are fulfilled, uh, we can just be celebrating them. So last year, January 5th, we shared this, uh, a picture. said, I felt like the Lord gave us a picture for the year of like a tent or a house, almost like a bubble. And that inside was the church family. And that when a local church family does the hard work of becoming united in the the vision and the mission that God's given them, and they live it out with commitment and perseverance, there will be breakthroughs of heaven in every sphere of life that do seem impossible otherwise. And this phrase will become real that God spoke, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to Mary about the new normal in life with the Holy Spirit, that what's impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible with man is impossible with God. That was what the angel spoke to Mary, and that is supposed to be the new normal now for us who follow God, that nothing is impossible with God. And the sense of the bubble was important. Not that we're just going to stay in a bubble, because we're not. We love to get out into the community. But for this picture, the bubble is key in the sense that inside the bubble... There is protection and power, and it doesn't matter what's happening out in the world. This is what January 5th said this to y'all. doesn't matter what's happening out in the world. We don't look out there to set our hope levels and find our agenda. There is a protection and the power in the bubble 
where God will work in such a way that impossible things happen in increasing measure in individuals and families. So it's essentially this picture of a bubble. And that no matter what's going on outside, no matter the circumstances out in the world, when we stay in the bubble of God's grace, if you will, and focus on what he wants to do, there, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And then you combine that with a specific verse that one of our prayer team members shared last year that they sensed and felt like the Lord had given them for our church family for the year, which was super cool because we had sensed that same verse in Joshua 1 and had already planned that the second message of the year last year was going to be about Joshua 1 and what God was calling his people to do. It was this verse that summed it up, Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And so that verse is kind of the picture of the bubble. That God is with you wherever you go. And as God was telling the people, as they were going to enter into the promised land, yes, there's giants in the land. Yes, there are obstacles that are real. But don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I am with you wherever you go. That's where you're going to get victory. You stay in the bubble of my presence, my power, and that's when what is impossible with man is possible with God. So we can be strong and courageous in him. And I just, as I reread this, got really encouraged because, to be honest with you, I had forgotten about this bubble picture. But in December, as we were processing a bit in the Christmas season and in the, in the Christmas passages of Luke, what does it look like to wrestle through the reality of Jesus being king? I shared with you guys a, a picture that I had shared with Dawn recently, which was, man, I feel like God is doing such good things within the church family on a regular basis. And the testimonies that I get to hear through interacting with you, many of you, is I feel like God's got us in a bubble because it just doesn't feel like what it feels like out in the world. Where right now, the primary sense when you get out and interact with people is fear and despair. Not surprisingly, the exact two descriptors from Joshua 1.9, which now look very prophetic, that God was saying to our church family, hey, this is coming this year. Don't be afraid or discouraged. That's, what are those two things? Fear and despair. If we're honest and realistic and sober, those are easily the two primary descriptors of 2020. Fear and despair out in the world. And I specifically remember conversations within the last couple months talking with Don saying, man, it's, it's beautiful, but it's strange. I feel like we get to live in a bubble because fear and despair do not reign at Elevation Church. They, these, are, these are private conversations. This is not just to pump you guys up. This was private conversations that were real being like, it's honestly a stark contrast of fear and despair out in the world and then 
as I get to interact with elevation, it's not we're saying like everybody's got it all together, there's no problems. No, it's in the midst of the struggles, what is impossible with man is possible with God. I'm seeing genuine breakthrough. We are seeing a thriving in the storm. There is a sense of a bubble. There's a sense of it's different with God. Life is different with God. It's a sense of this word from Joshua 1.9 coming true. That the Lord will be with you wherever you go. So we don't have to live in fear and despair. He wants to make what's impossible on our strength possible in his strength. Why? He's with us. And that should be a difference maker. To live life with God is to live an abundant life. Not that you don't have struggles. Not that things aren't challenging. Not that you don't have stuff to work through. All of that's real but that he wants a fruit, a produce in our life, our life to produce things, an abundance of kingdom fruit that we know we can look back and say, I know I couldn't do that on my own strength. And I just want to genuinely say, as I was preparing, I got really encouraged because when I shared that in December, that man, God is at work alive in the people of elevation, producing abundant fruit. That is not the status quo. That is very different from the ethos of the world right now. And then looking back to see, that's exactly January 5th, what we said God was going to do and wanting to do in elevation this year. And that's simply a praise be to God. That he speaks that he's with us, that he wants us to, to, to draw near to him every year. And there is something about starting the year to say, what's that fresh vision, God, for what you want to do in us as individuals, as families, as a church family? There is something about a, a consecrating of the year. That's why all throughout God's word, there are various festivals and, and parties and acts of consecration. If you're not familiar with that term, consecrate means a choice on our part to set something aside and as an act of worship say, this is holy unto you, God. This is given to you. We put it in your hands as an act of worship, trusting that you are king, you are God. In your hands, this thing is made holy and good. And there's nothing better than, that we can consecrate to God than our lives, than our year. That's what Romans 12.1 says. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And so there is a healthy rededicating of life. Micah spoke about that in, in the Hanukkah uh, ceremony. That word literally is about, that festival's about rededication of the temple. There's a healthy reality to stop, take a breath, just get everything straight and say, I want to rededicate it all to you. And at the beginning of every year, we believe there is an important, healthy 
act of consecration that we can all partake in that just says, I want to offer it to you, God. I want to dedicate and rededicate this year. If 2021 has any hope in it whatsoever, it's with you reigning, God. And so that's where we want to start the year. And so, in some very simple terms, as we begin 2021, we want to simply look at what does it look like for Jesus to be king in 2021? We finished the year on that theme, not like it's a you know, revolutionary theme, it's kind of uh, the main theme of the Bible. <laughs> So it's not like we're like, hey, guess what? We discovered something that no one else knows. When we say that Jesus is Savior and Lord, that Lord part is about kingship. When Jesus says, come, follow me, that is an invitation to a lifelong journey of constant learning and, and formation and reformation, reformation, new learning. It's the process of being a disciple, an apprentice of our master, our king, to whom we joyfully follow and serve and submit and surrender because he's the good king with the abundant life. But we do believe that there's a sense on it, a, such, a, such a time as this, that that's a healthy paradigm for us. There's some healthy challenges in our world right now that force us to look at what does it mean to put Jesus as king right now in our lives. And another question that we've been starting to ask that I think is healthy along those same lines. What is it costing us to put Jesus as king? Because if it's not costing us anything, Jesus is not king. It costs something to make Jesus king. It costs something to follow him. And so this morning we want to look and challenge all of us along two themes as we begin 2021, as we begin together in the sense, as we've done for a number of years now, challenged us as a local church family to say, what is God doing in our midst that we can unite together around? So we want to challenge us all around two, thing, two themes that have been on our hearts kind of finishing 2020 and going into 2021 around the kingship of Jesus. What does it look like? What does it cost us to follow Jesus and put him as king in 2021? So two themes that we'll talk about this morning that we want to specifically challenge us to in the month of January to really press into as our act of worship, as our way of consecrating the year together to make Jesus king. So one of those themes comes out of Matthew 13, 44. And so let's read it and take a look together. Matthew 13, 44. Jesus shares a very short but very crucial picture of what it looks like to make Jesus king. He says this. The kingdom of heaven, so let's stop right there real quick. That's a picture, a kingdom. Every kingdom has a king. 
And Jesus is constantly talking about this new thing, the kingdom of heaven. What does it look like for the will of God to be done on earth as it already is in heaven? That's how he describes the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 6.10. And he teaches us to pray. And he says, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. And right there, if you want to talk about a succinct vision for our life, there it is. You can't get any more perfect, powerful, beautiful than that vision right there from Jesus that what he's all about is seeing more of heaven transform earth. And he calls it the kingdom of heaven. And it's this picture of God reigning, the king reigning, the king's reign breaking through and healing and transforming and fixing the broken world that we live in. So everywhere Jesus goes, you get a picture of what heaven is like as he encounters all these different kind of people and all these different kind of broken, hurting, painful, lost, sick situations. And he says, here's what it's like for God's will to be done as it already is in heaven. Now taste it. This is my kingdom. This is the kingdom. This is the king's reign on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's what Jesus says life is now all about, to follow him, to experience the king reigning in various aspects of life, touching this aspect of your life, touching this aspect of your heart, touching your mind, renewing your mind, healing this wound, empowering this reality, filling you with the Holy Spirit, transforming a broken area here, filling you with the identity of who you are as God's kingdom kid, a beloved son and daughter, an inheritance of the entire kingdom that is yours. All these different aspects. And so Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and then covered it up, and in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. It's one of the shortest stories Jesus ever tells, but if we can meditate on it, ponder it, let it soak in, if this can become a succinct reality for how we understand our life will never be the same. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man found, covered it up. In his joy, he goes to sell everything he has to buy the field. Joyful sacrifice. Just a brief theme joyful sacrifice to make Jesus king in 2020 requires joyful sacrifice. Both of those elements are clear in the passage. That's part of the cost to following Jesus, the cost to putting Jesus as king. Joyful sacrifice. It's a sober picture. Jesus says, you're going to have to sell everything you have to buy the field that is the kingdom of God. 
the kingdom of heaven to break into your life, it's going to cost you everything. Everything that you know as your normal way of life is going to have to be put up and sold for a new life in following the king. Everything is going to be turned upside down. But Jesus said, if you really know what you're buying, then in your joy, you will sell it all. That this is not meant to be this humdrum. So if any time you get a picture of life is in following Jesus, or this is what church is about, or God is about, is this boring, gloomy, oh, just follow the rules and your duty, and God is just out to steal your fun, and he's just about following these 10 different rules, because he's just this, you know, the judge up in heaven that just wants your conformity, because he's out to to keep you from having a good time, you have entirely missed the point. Because Jesus says, in the persons, in your joy, you sell everything. Because you know you have found a treasure that is more valuable than anything else you have ever tasted before. It is for your joy that you give up everything that you know. Hopefully you can feel in there a tension, something that would cause you to wrestle on both ends of the spectrum, that maybe there's a wrestling with, do I really sell it all for him? Or am I keeping things to myself where I'm like, I don't yet want you, Jesus, to be Lord and King of that area? That's a healthy tension, which we, if we're honest, should all feel because it's a journey and no one's arrived. And on the, on the other end of the spectrum, it's a healthy wrestling with, and are you keeping front and center that this is all done in joy, for the joy? Because you know that the treasure is greater than anything else life has to offer. And so joyful sacrifice is a theme that King Jesus is calling us to this year. So that's one. And Um, two things on that. Joyful sacrifice. I want to read that verse again. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. He covered up because he didn't want anybody else to see it. (laughs) Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So I think what's important here to focus on is that there's not a lack. It's not a sacrifice and you just have nothing. You just give it all up. You give it all up and you're holy. You give it all up for God and you have nothing. What we have is an exchange, a heavenly exchange for the broken ways of the world's 
being redeemed through the cross, turned upside down on their heads, and we have redemption occurring as we give these things and sacrifice these things to him. We have redemption occurring where there is a heavenly shift, where the transformation of the kingdom happens, and the kingdom is birthed on earth. So I just think it's really important to view this through the lens that it's never from a place of lack. We are not sacrificing and missing anything. We may miss some things briefly where we have maybe learned to grab onto other things that are empty cisterns and dirty waters, where we have learned to drink from those things, whatever they may be, instead of God, there is an exchange and a willingness and a sacrifice that needs to happen. But what we get is not sacrifice. What we get is so much better. It is so much better. It is the way of truth, the way of life. It is wholeness. It is transformation. It is redemption. It is everything good. It is everything that Jesus paid for. Good word. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about that. Amen. That works. Hey, why don't you clap for me? Jeez. Whatever. Just kidding. Got to earn a clap. All right, moving on. No, you said you were done. No, no. Did I say the word pursuit? No. Okay. Oh, but I like that word for that verse. No, I just want to say. Okay. Well, he says... He said I shouldn't say this because he's going to talk about it next. But okay, well, no, no, I, I just, um, I think a positive way to frame the joyful sacrifice is pursuit, pursuit. We are running after him. We are grabbing his hand. We are grabbing his hand to in in a joyful pursuit to see his kingdom invade every aspect of our lives. Amen. There, there, and <laughs> I'm sorry. I just felt like God gave me a picture. And I just want to share it because I believe that there's power on this word of the Lord. I saw a picture of a shadow and of a corner and then of just, and cobwebs. And God's light just coming in, illuminating cleaning and transforming and changing all of the darkness that was there into light. The cobwebs just disintegrated in the light. And um, I just believe that that's a promise for us, that whatever areas where we feel that there is a shadow, that there's heaviness, that there's a need for breakthrough, that there's darkness in our lives, in our world, in everything around us, I just believe that as we make this pursuit as a church family right now, that we can count on um, heaven breaking in, his light breaking in. And so I just want to encourage us not to keep our eyes on the shadow and on the corner that is still dark, but to hold one another's hands and keep our eyes on him, on the God who is singing over our lives and over every circumstance, to look into his eyes and to sing that song over our lives, and we'll see heaven transform that dark corner 
into a place of abundance and light. There will be, and the sense, the word that I sensed was, there will be no shadow that is not overturned. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Dang. Two, two to zero. All right. Number two. Two of two. We're going to go to Matthew chapter seven. Verses 7 to 11. So our second theme to put Jesus as king. One of the just best verses, our favorite verses in the Bible, as Jesus shares the heart of God, the heart of the Father. Here it is, Matthew 7, 7 to 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. For which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So much in there. We'll simplify into a theme here for us for the moment. Expectant devotion. Expectant devotion. In this passage from Jesus, as he describes the heart of God, our perfect heavenly father, as he describes prayer, as he describes this life in the kingdom that we all have, again, he's showing us this picture of what is the kingdom of God like? What is life supposed to be like for you? What's our mindset? Is God this... God up there that's stingy with gifts and doesn't really want to give you much and you should probably be scared to ask him because it's not really nice. God, Jesus is trying to blow all of that stuff out of the water. Saying just like a, a child who can trust their parent, God's way better than that, Jesus says. Ask, seek, knock because he wants to give you good things. He wants to give you his kingdom. I mean, that, your life will be forever changed if, that's become, if that becomes real to you. That God wants to give you his kingdom. And so our posture becomes expectant. Expectant. This is not entitled children. This is not an arrogance this is a healthy child of a good parent. A healthy child is taught to expect that their parent will take care of them. Meaning a healthy child does not live in fear of whether or not their parent cares enough to take care of them. That is not healthy. That is what happens to abused children. And Jesus is going after that, saying it is not healthy for you to wonder 
if God cares enough to take care of you. In fact, it does not honor God to not ask him. That, that's what Jesus said. It honors God. It honors God's nature and character as a good father for you to come expecting that he wants to take care of you. It is an act of worship to come with a heart that says, I know God is a good heavenly parent, a perfect heavenly parent who will take care of me. So I have a confidence to ask, seek, and knock. I mean, do we hear that? It tell me, is, is that not exactly what Jesus is going after? He wants you as a child of God, a beloved son or daughter of the king to come with healthy expectation, not based on you've earned it, but based on the sheer goodness of the character of our perfect heavenly father. Oh yeah, thank you. That was... Uh, that was a charity clap. <laughs> so, <laughs> the live stream was really cheering for me, though, by the way. I know they're the ones who really like what I have to say. Anyways, just, just playing. Okay, so that's the expectation, and that turns into devotion. It turns into, therefore, what better do I have to do in life with my time and my effort and my energy? We're all pursuing something. We're all investing in something. And that is where you are seeing a return in your life. So Jesus is saying, so what better place could you possibly invest your time, your effort, your energy, your hope, your passion, your future, then in the expectation of more of the kingdom. So expectant devotion, Jesus invites us into. Is there anything I shouldn't say? No. Not allowed to say pursuit yet. All right. The um, sense that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me uh, as we were going over this verse was um, along the lines of the picture that I felt like the Lord just gave me of the shadow and of um, there not being any shadow that would be left unturned. But the, um, the words were a renewal of hope and an obliteration of lies. Because in any way in our lives where we feel, um, where we are not asking, seeking, or knocking, where we feel despair, or we feel like we've asked, seeked, or knocked for a long time, and there's a hopelessness there, and we've given up, um, 
in any area of our lives where we feel that, where we feel that darkness, the cobwebs, and maybe the place where God is absent, and maybe there's just something that's an exception that he's not going to change. If we feel any of of that hopelessness or despair, um, God wants to change that. He wants there to be an obliteration of the lie that is in existence that keeps Satan's dominion and power over something. Because Jesus taught us to pray like this in Matthew 6. Super simple. Your kingdom come. He says, pray like this. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So whatever is not as it is in heaven, we grab his hand with ourselves, with our family, with our fellowship, with our church family, and we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on, it, at, on earth as it is in heaven, because that is his will. Amen. The other example is sometimes there's a place of hopelessness, and we think, well, it's been so long, I've been praying so long, I haven't seen breakthrough yet. It must not be God's will. Maybe God doesn't care. Lies, lies, lies. That is, those words, those thoughts, that despair, any area where we don't have hope, that is the enemy's battle plan. He wants to keep you from partnering with God to bring the kingdom. When Jesus came to earth, I use this example all the time because it's true. (laughs) So if you're like, oh, she's saying that again, (laughs) that's okay. Um, When Jesus came to earth, he didn't say, oh, wow, look at all of this awful stuff. I guess it must not be God's will to fix this. No, he was our example. He came and he did what the Father was doing And he unleashed heaven onto earth, and he made the kingdom of darkness run and flee. He transformed everything. He turned everything on on its head. And no, no darkness and no dark corner that existed was allowed to remain in his presence. And he sent us to the earth. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. We do not walk the earth in a place of powerlessness where we say, oh, shoot, I guess this just hasn't been fixed for a long time. You know what? Some mountains, some, some mountains are larger than others, and some boulders are larger than others. But that doesn't change what the will of God is or what our mission is. Our battle plan sometimes needs to get strengthened and more empowered. And we need to gather with more believers and share what we need prayer over and go to battle and get a battle plan of singing over that, of praying over that together, of confessing our sins, our hopelessness, our weakness, confessing our despair, because everybody has it. Whatever battle you're facing, there will always be a hard time. There will always be hopelessness and despair that comes in. Why? Because we're not perfect and we're not Jesus yet. But if we let it sit and fester, it will become a poison. We need to spit it out, 
Get it out. Confess it to God. Confess to one another, and you will be healed. I love what the scriptures say when they say, confess to God, and you will be forgiven. Confess to one another, and you will be healed. There is a power in confessing our weakness, our sins, our whatever emotions that we're feeling that we know are not the fullness of what God has for us, that whatever we're feeling that's hopeless and not the faith that we know God wants us to have. We have a confidence that as we come together with other believers, as we get in our life groups and in, in fellowship, we have a promise that there will be healing and that those shadows that are in our heart will be overturned with light. And our heart is the first battleground where the kingdom of heaven breaks through and then from our innermost being spills out into our atmosphere as we continue lining up with him, lining up with that light, lining up with the kingdom of heaven, singing and standing in agreement with him as his kingdom of light and goodness is ushered in to every shadow that we have in our lives. Yeah, okay. All right. I just respond. Just it was one sentence. It's not even a sentence. It's three words. Renewal of hope. I want to leave us with those words. Renewal of hope. With everything that I just shared, with all the stuff about asking, seeking, knocking, anywhere where we feel hopeless, all of that, renewal of hope. Can I say a quick prayer? I'm sorry, just two seconds. You want to pray right now? Yeah, just one second. I just want to release this because I feel like there is a renewal of hope. God, I thank you that where, there, where any shadow and remnants of despair, where any cobwebs have been left in our lives, God, I thank you that now that there is a renewal of hope, that the rain, the sweet rain of heaven is falling, that there is mercy, there is so much grace and there is so much mercy, and we thank you for your cross that paid the price for redemption of every dark corner. So God, we thank you in advance for your light coming in and penetrating every place of darkness, both in our hearts and in our lives. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Thank you, babe. All right. I think you're winning three to one. <laughs> one quick affirmation of, of what she's saying that if we want to go back to Matthew 7, I do think is critical. The reality that the asking, seeking, and knocking that Jesus has in mind is not a one-time activity. And you can actually see it in the Greek. All of those verbs are present tense continuous, meaning this, the verse could equally be translated Ask, seek, and knock, and you will find blah, blah, blah. And then verse 8, for everyone who is asking receives, the one who is seeking finds, and the one who is knocking, it'll be opened. You see, and that, that shifts things. And that, because what Jesus is saying is asking, seeking, and knocking is the lifestyle of the follower of Jesus in his kingdom. It's just what we do. So that's to her point. We don't come across a mountain, ask, seek, and knock, and be like, oh, well, oh, well, I guess that's not, that's not God's will. 
that darkness, that, that pain, that suffering, that brokenness, that's just God's will. So for the rest of my life, I just have to suffer with that. I'll move on to the next thing. This verse does not give us permission for that mindset. It says, you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking until the mountain is thrown into the sea. That's the lifestyle of a follower of Jesus. So there will be things that take time where you have to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And so when you're in that place, just know that's what Jesus said is the lifestyle of a true follower of Jesus. You're in the right place. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking until you see the kingdom of heaven break through. We should move on. Just one super quick thing. Um, he, when he mentioned that some things take time, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Um, I know I shared to this point already, but it's really important not to give the enemy permission by having faith uh, or by our belief systems. Some things take time. It's not because it's God's plan to withhold. It's because some strongholds are just greater and more powerful. Some things that the enemy is doing take longer to uproot. When Jesus first spoke over the fig tree, he didn't see any results immediately. However, those words that he spoke took action in the roots of the tree, and the next day he saw that the tree was dead. But some things take time. The same way that when Daniel prayed, and there was a big delay, and then the angel came to him, how much later was it? Two weeks later. It was two three weeks, weeks later, three weeks. three weeks later, but the angel's first words were, as soon as you prayed, I was sent, but there was a battle. There was a battle. So that's just an encouragement that as we engage in this pursuit, that if there is delay, it is not because God's heart and hand is withholding from us. He is the good father who gives good gifts to his, to his children, and we want to make sure that we don't break our agreement with that. And in any time or in any way that our hearts feel that he's not a good father, come and confess it to him. Confess it to our brothers and sisters. Ask him to renew our minds, according Romans 12.1, according to his word that he would transform our minds so that his truth would be truly birthed in us. Amen. Good word. All right, we're going to wrap it up with this. Uh, a few action steps in the month of January in particular. Joyful sacrifice and expectant devotion come down to practical action steps. They're not meant to be just nice little feelings. It's like, oh, yes, in my mind, I have joyful sacrifice and expectant devotion. That feels nice. And I'm going to go out and live and do nothing different. That, that, that's not it. And you guys know that. So... Just a few action steps that we are taking as a church family. This has become a tradition for us now. And you may, of course, feel led to do some different things on your own, additional things on your own, in your own life, your own family, your own marriage, etc. And these are not about religious activities just to try to fill a calendar. This is 
these are some action steps that are exactly what we're talking about. How do we devote ourselves in greater measure, expectant devotion, joyful sacrifice to make Jesus king? These are practical ways to consecrate Jesus as Lord. So I want to share these real quick and then we'll be done. So starting tomorrow for three weeks, we enter into our January fasting and feasting. We've done this for a number of years now, and it, it's, there's no better way to start the year, in our opinion. No better way to consecrate the year to make Jesus as Lord, to say, God, our hope in 2021 is you. <laughs> our, our desire is to see your kingdom break through, so we want to give you our lives this year. But that takes some time to process. And so we found a, a nice little rhythm in the three weeks to start the year together. It's, it's become really helpful to kind of process the start of the year and give it a little bit of time to let it kind of marinate in our hearts and our minds. What is God wanting to say? What is God wanting to do in us this year? What are some promises that he wants to bring into focus some kingdom promises that he wants to bring into focus for you, for your family, for your personal breakthrough this year, and, and grab onto those things. So we're really bad at this in our culture. Our culture does not teach us to take a breath and think about things for a few weeks. Let it marinate. Take some time with it. And so it's, it's, a, it's a discipline that we've come to love as a church to say, Let's go into this year and let's set aside a few weeks with a heart mindset that says we're going to fast from some things in order to feast from God. And so when we say the fasting and feasting, we want to challenge everybody to ask God to, to put on your heart one thing that in the next three weeks starting tomorrow, you would set aside for the time being in order to have more time, effort, and energy just to focus in on what God is saying and what God is doing and in seeking the Lord. So traditionally, fasting often has to do with food, something that's distracting, something that's pleasurable, not something that's necessarily bad, but it's all throughout the Bible. It's a good gift from God, but it can also be an idol. It can be a distraction. It can be a going to some place as a, as a source of pleasure, of satisfaction, of distraction, of just even time. So there may be something, uh, many people give up sweets in the past. A, a big recommendation from us that we do personally is some type of media fast. In, in our day and age, we personally believe that, that the consumption of, the excessive consumption of unnecessary and unfulfilling media has in many ways taken the place of what food was back in biblical times. Yeah, I'll get there. Um, and so we want to encourage you all to pray about, not dictating anything, but if the Lord puts it on your heart, something that you would set aside for three weeks. Maybe it's social media. Maybe it's a certain time spent of, I'm not going to be watching shows for this amount of time or whatever, but it's for a purpose. It's not so you can flagellate self, you know, oh, I'm having such a hard time. You give up something so that you have intentionally more time, effort, and energy to pursue the Lord. And that's where we really put the focus, is on some practical action steps of seeking God. And we'll get into those, and then we'll be done. Yeah, so especially um, with the media, what I wanted to add is this is about intake. 
we only have so much space on our hard drive, if you will. We only have so much intake. And um, unfortunately, where our society is going is, being, is constantly being on screens, constantly checking text messages. There's always a way to be entertained all the time. And the thing is, is if we're constantly snacking and intaking on other things, there's just no room for Jesus. There's just no room. If we're always snacking, we're never going to be able to eat at the big banquet table because we're never hungry. We need to be hungry. It's creating a hungry, a hunger, a hungry. It's creating a hunger so that we want to come and eat of him so that we feel parched and thirsty. And so it's not that all of these things that we are going to be giving up um, are negative, like Casey was saying, but we want to create a space where there's a hunger that creates a pursuit after him. So I want to encourage us in that, that it's about our intake and to also just be very aware because I really feel that what has become a societal norm of always being present online and on social media, that is a toxic poison. And honestly, the devil is so happy when you do that because it takes you out of life and out of everything meaningful and it disengages you from real life and from bringing his kingdom to earth in your real life. It just keeps you just, oh, connect with in this superficial relationship with this person that's not even really your friend because it's only online and there's not really much real fellowship in the first place and we're just kind of snacking, 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 snacking. And it's just something that we all have to be really aware of because the screens and the lights, they're so addictive. It doesn't matter if you think you're an addictive person or not. They just are scientifically addicted. You can, addictive, you can Google it. The, um, you know, the, I forgot which, parents that are that are large like apple and corporate presidents and heads of companies don't even let their kids go on screens because they're aware that they've created an addictive market an addictive product so i just want us to keep that in mind that for many of us we're going to have not for many of us for all of us we need to be diligent to guard our eyes, our hearts, and all of our intake. Because if there's not a hunger and a place of quiet, then we will not have any hard drive space or real estate room for the Father, for Jesus. There will be no quietness in the cave where Elijah heard the whisper because the screens and everything else in the media is so loud. The media also, the news, eh, shut it off. Yeah, watch it for a little while maybe to get a perspective and pray about it. But who do we need to be looking for for the news? We need to be looking for, to Jesus for the news of what he wants to birth on earth through us. Four to one. All right. <clears throat> We're almost done. Love it. So the practical, that's joyful sacrifice right there because there's a treasure that's way better than anything else. So some practicals that we want to encourage people to in the feasting. We want to encourage all of us to in the feasting. As Don mentioned, a primary way to feast is God's word. I mean, the, 
God's word even describes God's word as a feast, as like honey on our lips, as bread for the soul, as living water. So in this time, we want to encourage, that's one of the increases, find ways to get into God's word in increased measure. And so we do that as a community. And there's two, two specific ways. Starting tomorrow, during the next three weeks of the fast, we want to encourage people to get into God's word. And here's kind of the question, and she lived it out, but are you rooting yourself in the fearful hype of the world or the hope-filled headlines of God's word? And that's just a constant question, but it's a great one for January in a fast of what is filling the headlines of our world. Is it God's word, God's promises, God's truth, God's character? So the new year is a great time to renew that commitment. So what we want to challenge people to is read God's word together. And so we're going to go through in this season, the four, January 4th through 24th, the next three weeks, starting tomorrow, one chapter a day of, of the Bible. That's it. It's, you could literally do it in five minutes. And what we're going to read are the prison letters of Paul. The prison letters. So the little bit of context that you need to know is Philippians, then Philemon, Colossians, and Ephesians. That's a total of 15 chapters. It's not much. It's literally five minutes a day for Monday through Friday. That's what we ask to do kind of as a group. And I'll, we'll send this all out in an email to get the specifics. But Paul wrote this from prison. And that's all you got to know. Is it the crazy, joyful, hopeful, grateful attitude that he has about life? He's writing from prison where he knows there's a good chance he's never getting out of here. And I just have found his testimony so inspiring because we do live in a world right now that's locked us down. So a lot of us feel like, oh, we're, we're locked down in so many ways, right? So what better encouragement than to read a living testimony of someone who's literally locked down and may never see the light of day again, and yet what, how does he process life with God? And he wrote four letters showing people how he was processing. Those are his prison letters. So we're going to start with Philippians one chapter. And to help with that, to aid with that, I will be on Zoom, our Elevation Zoom room, every day, Monday through Friday at 12 for about a 20-minute devotion on that chapter. So you can read it on your own in the morning or the night before, and then I'll be, I'll be leading a devotion just to share it, process a little bit on Zoom. So it's kind of a cool format. You can put your screen off if you want to and be silent, or if you want to interact it's, it's, it's fun. We did it last year in January. It was a great crew. Looking forward to it again. So just the logistics of it is, if you are not on the Elevation email list, this little flyer, Welcome to Elevation, is sitting right out there on the connection cart, and there's a little insert right inside where you just put your name, your email, and your social security number, routing info, and we take care of the rest. Just kidding. Just kidding. I make joke. Um, but if you want to get on the email list, we're going to send all this out real quick this afternoon just so you have all the logistics, so you have the link to the Zoom room and some of the specifics of the chapters that we're going over in Paul's prison letters. Um, and one other that we want to highlight, and we'll be done, is next Saturday right here, January 9th, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we are going to have a 
2021 Vision Workshop. And that's where Don and I are going to lead a time together, just some quick little snippets from God's Word. But then it's really a two-hour block that you set aside to take a breath and listen to the Lord for your life. It's hard to make that time. And so we found it really helpful. It kind of let us help ourselves and help you as a church family to set aside the time. There's power in doing it together where we have some specific topics based on God's word where we're listening to the Lord and listening, what are God's promises? What is God saying to you in this area in, of your life, in your, in your personal life? What are some promises that he's wanting to bring? Some, some areas of breakthrough where you know you want to see, you're asking, seeking, and knocking, and you want to see that kingdom of heaven transform earth. You want to see your good heavenly father bring that mountain moving answer to prayer. Thinking through some of those things in some key areas of life, and you essentially come away after two hours, and it works every time, you come away with a battle plan for your life for 2021. And let me say this very clearly. It's way better to go into the year with a battle plan than without a battle plan. Because you're, if you're aiming at nothing, you're probably going to hit it. So this is about getting some kingdom vision, some kingdom specifics that you take into your very personal life, into your family, into those close relationships. And you walk, you don't share with everybody, you walk with a team. Of maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's three in some specific areas. And then you see God work and you celebrate those together. So that's this coming Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., kingdom-minded vision, goals, dreams, and assignments for the year that God wants to speak to you. And then lastly, we'll close out our fast on Friday, January 29th at 6.30 p.m. right here with a night of worship and prophetic prayer. So we, we trust that in the next couple of weeks, our prayer team will be getting some, some words from the Lord, some senses of what he's doing, and we'll, we'll use that night to share those things, to pray those things, to worship together, and go from there. And the last thing, as Don mentioned, we want to encourage life groups. There are, there's a flyer for the life groups out uh, on the table, uh, on the connection cart. You can grab one. If you're following us online, the life groups are posted on our events page on the website. And if you are not yet connected, if you're watching on the live stream and, and are not part of the email list, you can, from the homepage of the, of the church website, weareelevation.com, you can simply click on the Get Connected or scroll down to the bottom, and you can fill out the little information, just same thing, name and email, and we'll make sure you get on the email list so you can get all this info. And this is about learning as a church family to just walk through life together. So those are some of the specifics. Anything else before we close? Okay, last thing. Bring us home. Pray us out. We're done. Okay. You're closing. I, okay. I have something to say on the specifics. Um, just a little tidbit. And I'll be sharing more on this uh, this coming Saturday. But I do want to throw this out there now because I feel like it's really important. One is for this Saturday. I want us to be thanking God in advance this week for his presence falling on us for breakthrough, for his spirit reigning in our church, and for a movement of God and a movement of the spirit of power just like exactly as happened in the book, I'm not even talking right, like the book of Acts. When they all came, 
with one accord and in unity, and the Spirit powerfully broke through. I believe that as we come together to hear his voice, to get his battle plan, to hear his words for our lives for this year, that we can sit in eager anticipation, but I want us to also partner together this week on our own in our prayers, just thanking him in advance. Because the thing is, is um, God comes where we are hungry. We are hungry for revival. We are hungry for his spirit falling. We are hungry and our world is hungry for signs and wonders and miracles and prophetic words and everything that is the kingdom of God to come. And so I want us to just to encourage us to stand in agreement for the more. Thank him for what we already have. We have already experienced that in significant degrees regularly throughout our lives. But thank him for the more. The more is coming. His will is more. His will is for the spirit to fall like it did at Pentecost over and over and over and more and more and more. Um, yeah, yeah, I just have one more thing. It's one other thing. It's very, very simple. And I'm going to be going over this. So I'm going I'm to be going over this on Saturday. So I want to keep this brief. But this has absolutely transformed my life the last six months. And so I want to share this specific of the word of God and when we spend time in the word of God. So in my house, I have a really loud house. Like he said, <laughs> it's not because of him. He's actually the most peaceful, warm, comfy place. And he's the person that everybody fights over because we all... <laughs> because, yeah, he's clapping for himself. Do you want to oh, no, bow saying, to? That was no. the best thing you've said all day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we all, all of us fight over him. We fight over who gets to talk to him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's really kind of funny. Um, but anyways, our house is not quiet and peaceful. We have three boys. So when you have two boys, it's tame. When you have, I mean, in comparison to three. Then when we had three, it was like, whoa. If you remember the days of the World Wrestling Federation, there's just that amount of energy in the room all the time. And then there's him, and he's not exactly, you know, he's, he wrestles too. So <laughs> anyway, so my house is qu not quiet and not peaceful. So my natural bent when I go to spend time with God has always been just to be silent, just to be quiet, just to, I read the verses silently, I meditate on them, and it's so good, and I love that. And I felt, I don't when was it, six months ago? I can't remember when it was. It was around there. I can't remember exactly, but I felt like the Lord was bringing to mind that he wants, that there was power in speaking the words out. There is power in speaking the word of God out. So as much as I still do quietly meditate and I listen, I actually make a habit now of every time I sit down to read the word of God, I read it out loud at least once. And I'm telling you, there is power in the word of God. But the Bible says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. So we're not only talking about the word of God piercing the soul and the spirit, 
but also our physical bodies, the joints and the marrow. The word of God is powerful. And so I just want to throw that out there, two words, out loud. Those are the words God just said to me. And so I make a habit of whenever I read the word of God to say the words out loud and even to thank him in advance that as I speak out his words, that they are transforming things. And I started to feel a shift when I started speaking the word of God out on a daily basis, speaking it out, having it come out of my mouth verbally. And not just the word, not only the word, the scripture, but also his promises over me. And that's another thing we'll go into that I'm not going to say right now. But the point now is out loud, there's power and, and there's, there's a shift in the atmosphere that you will feel. There is a greater power as we speak things out. There's a revolutionizing. I personally, I remember I was just sitting and I just, I felt like the kingdom of heaven just came in the room. As I spoke the word of God out, I could feel a shift in the atmosphere around me. I could feel the present. I'll be honest with you. You know, this is a spiritual world that we live in. Just because you don't see all the demons and all the angels doesn't mean that they're not there. So, and when I spoke those, when I started speaking the words of God out, I remember just feeling like things like shook off me. You know, where, where I felt, you know, strongholds or fear or lies, I felt like there was so much power in speaking those words out. And I also felt a shift in the atmosphere, and I felt the presence of angels. They are waiting. If you look at it, was, it's Psalm 103 or Psalm 104. They are waiting to perform the words of God. And how do the words of God come out on earth? Is it because God is just standing sovereignly speaking them to accomplish his will? Nope. He teaches us that his, word, that his will comes to earth through us partnering with him and standing in agreement and speaking out his words. Pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Speak out his words. So an encouragement out loud. You will see a shift. You will see a difference. It will start to shake things and move things. And I'm not saying that quiet meditation is bad. I love it. The Bible says to be still and to know that he is God and to quietly think and meditate and chew on his word. But let part of our chewing be also speaking his words out loud. I will sing a new song. I will sing a new song. Dance a new dance. Day.